Welcome to Holding Center, a podcast created to help you own and hold center stage, not only on show day, but also in your life. I'm your host, Ashley Markham, owner of Myo Strength, and joined with me is my co-host, Ashley Spoker, owner of B&B Fit. Let's hold center. Yo, what's going on, Spilks? How are you? I feel like I start every podcast with Yo Spilks. Yo Spilks. Yeah, dude. You know, I actually got that name in like middle school or high school. So that's what like everyone ended up like calling me. So yeah, I was always like, what's up Spilks? Like Yo Spilks. So it just kind of stuck, but I'm doing well. Um, I have nothing to complain about, which is ironic for me because usually I like to talk some shit, right? Um, but yeah, this last week was good for me. Um, another beautiful day here in Ohio. It's actually... Um, supposed to get up to 50 today but um that's according to alexa when i asked her this morning but it's cloudy and rainy so not like alexa you bitch i know she's like i was like what's the temperature today whatever she tells me it's 30 and then she's like it's gonna get 50 and then i was like alexa is there gonna be sunshine today and she's like no it's partly cloudy she's like no you dumb bitch like it's gonna be cloudy and you're not gonna actually see 50 degrees i just wanted you to like me Oh my God. Let me tell you about Alexa. I hate love loving that resource. Love it. Plays music, all the great things that I need. But then I'm, I hate when she's like, Oh, do you want me to like, no, I just wanted you to answer my questions. I don't want you to inform me or thank my Amazon (laughs) driver or whatever else you have up your sleeve. I'm not about it. So fun fact, I am way too paranoid to get an Alexa. I don't like when things listen to me. I'm like, not one of those like tin hat people, but I get really freaked out when I'm like talking to Eric about something and then like, I'll start getting ads for whatever we Mm. talked about. I hate that shit. I hate that shit because everything's listening. Like your phone listens to you. Like you, you enable face ID, you enable voice activation. It's listening to you constantly. Like, that's why, like, I keep my laptop and shit closed when I'm not using it because like, it's so easy to hack into the camera and like have it on, even if I didn't know. You know, so it's like, I will not get an Alexa. The voice activation on my TV is off. I won't use voice activation in my car. Like, I don't want things listening to me. I already know they are, but I don't want to like perpetuate the problem. So like, you can think that I'm a uh, tin hat, foil freak, whatever. Don't fucking listen to me. Unless you're a human, don't listen to me. (laughs) Leave me alone. I know. Think about like all the weird shit I do in my house. I'm like, shit. They're yeah. really listening that hardcore though. I'd probably have like like a comedy show, I think. Yeah. Shit. That's wild. Just saying. Just saying. Anywho, uh, Eric's birthday is tomorrow and I'm excited because I'm making him an authentic Charleston cake and a Charleston coconut cake. And Ew. if you guys don't know what that is, just look up at the recipe and it's heavy. It's like so much freaking coconut. It's like a very heavy, dense cake. Yeah. I hate coconut. I hate it. Oh, that's okay. That's okay. I think I don't have to eat it. Oh, true. True. First time (laughs) I ever had like anything coconut was like Captain Morgan's Parrot Bay when I was like 16. And I, yeah, I puked and it was disgusting. And ever since then I can't do like the smell or like. It's that food aversion. Start them young. (laughs) Apparently, but happy birthday to Eric. That's exciting. Do you guys have anything else planned? I do, but I can't speak on it right now because he's in the other room and I don't want him to know what I have planned this weekend. Oh, and he does the editing for this, right? So yeah. Yeah. Well, he's not going to listen to this unless I only tell him to edit like 
the in-betweens if I fuck up and say something dumb and then I'll have it like quickly edited out. But for the most part, this is a unedited raw, raw dog podcast. God, does like, he edit when I say stupid shit or do you just let me say stupid shit? Um, if I like notice that like you're struggling, I definitely will just like throw you a bone and take it out of there just so that way, like you're confident in what you're saying. Oh, cool. Yeah. Sometimes I, I do a little run around there. Anywho, today's topic, we'll get into it. <laughs> <laughs> Love you, Spilks. But yeah, what should your training look like as a competitor? Not only for your basic programming, but like for you as an athlete, like a lot of the times, like people will sell basic bitch programs or programs to bodybuilders that are like for powerlifters or for endurance athletes that has nothing to do with not only the sport of bodybuilding and the art of hypertrophy, but also their specific physique needs. And it's like so infuriating. Like for example, like doing a fucking Pendlay row as a bikini athlete. What? Why are we doing that? Why are we doing that? Right? We shouldn't be doing that. We don't need to be doing that. It's not that it's a bad exercise to do, but when it comes to the application of what your physique needs to fit not only your specific biomechanics, but also the division that you're wanting to compete in, we need to be smart about your overall programming and all overall what your training should look like. Yeah. So essentially it should all be geared towards hypertrophy. You know, obviously we're in the sport to, to gain muscle. And like you said, like, I don't know if you've ever seen this happen or notice it, but I actually see it a lot where I'm from probably because the, one of the gyms where I'm at has like, um, a really big powerlifting community and a really big bodybuilding community. And Mm -hmm. I'll see people in their off season, their, their bodybuilding off season compete in powerlifting. It's very interesting to me. I have to say if they were my athlete, I would not let them do that. But I do know other like bigger name coaches that have athletes that do both as well. What are your Mm -hmm. thoughts? What are your thoughts on that? I think they're just so different. They are so different. The only like I'm, but I am trying to like take a, a different perspective. If the athlete in their off season really does enjoy just those heavier lifts where we're doing like less than five reps and they do like building up their strength and they're not like diehard bodybuilders where they just kind of do it for fun. Like I would much rather program powerlifting for them. So that way they have some enjoyment in their off season. Yes. Sacrifice some muscle hypertrophy just for the sheer, sheer sake of them being a little bit happier. Um, however, if they are like, no, I want to be an IFBB pro. We need to have a serious conversation about making sure that their actions are aligning with their end goal. So I can kind of see the benefit um, of doing stuff like that if they just are doing it for funsies, you know, because not everyone wants to just like fucking be a bodybuilder. You know, some people like enjoy kind of doing like a little bit of powerlifting. Maybe they do a little bit of CrossFit in their off season just to have some fun because obviously contest prep is very regimented. Like you do this or we're fucking pulling you type of deal. So that's the only scenario where I could like see that being just beneficial, just from an enjoyment standpoint, more of like a mental aspect. Cause as far as hypertrophy and the physique building, I, it does not align. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But when it talks up, when we're talking about hypertrophy, like what does it actually take to grow muscle? And you automatically you're thinking like, oh, reps and sets and weight and volume, right? Especially when it comes to like those smaller divisions, namely bikini, we're seeing programs where they're having like four upwards of eight sets. I've seen some bikini programs have eight sets per exercise. And I'm like, how much are you spending in the gym? Like that is so much fucking volume. Like, let me see a set and let me see your intensity. 
Because if we need to be doing eight sets of an exercise, I can tell you that level of intensity is poop. It's poop. But when it comes to like what actually grows a muscle, we're looking at mechanical tension, metabolic stress, and muscle damage, right? Tension, that mechanical tension is what is going to be the primary driver of growth. And it's essentially like looking at the level of the receptors in the muscle tissue responding to that tension and both amount and duration. So not only is this the amount of reps and sets, the amount of tempo, the amount of connection you're able to drive from your central nervous system, your biomechanics, your setup, all of that is a really important stimulus when it comes to mechanical tension. And then you have the metabolic stress of like, you know, the, the feeling of like the burn and the pump that you're getting from like the higher volume stuff. And then also the damage that you're accruing from tearing down your muscles while you're in the gym. Yeah, dude. No, like you definitely hit, hit the nail on the head with all of that. I am just thinking about like my old training style versus now. And when it comes to, you know, frequency rep ranges, um, the mechanics, I have changed so much. I remember there was this one time when I was doing like hip thrust, it was programmed Mm -hmm. and it was like, um, I can't even remember how many sets, but it was like first sets, like 15 and then 20 and then 25, like reps, like 25 reps. And then you would like kind of drop set all the way back down. And that was like my Mm -hmm. first exercise. And I was so dead after that shit that I could not like progress ever one. And two, I was so tired for the rest of my lift. Like, like you said, like my, my intensity, my mechanics started to suck. Like my form was terrible. I don't think I made a single centimeter of growth, to be honest with you. Yeah, dude, I remember doing 100s. And for those of you that don't know what 100s are, is you pick like multiple sets of 100s, not even just like one set of 100, like sometimes three sets of 100 specifically for delts where you would pick a weight where you could do like anywhere from 15 to 25 reps for your first set, you know, wait a little bit and then try to do it again. And you'd have like six, many, like six to 10 sets in this like set, just trying to like push till failure multiple times. So it was essentially like a rest pause set mm-hmm. on steroids where you wanted to accumulate for a total of a hundred reps. One counting that bitch was just fucking tedious. Like I had to do like, you know, four to five different sets of like 25 to 20 reps, sometimes even 15 when you start to like get to failure. But like, how are you progressing in that? Because you know, you could only use like a five pound dumbbell, maybe like, you know, seven and a half. If you have like those incremental weights at your gym, but like, we're not using 10 pounds. We're not being able to progress to 12 and a half, 15 pounds. Like it was just so much. Yeah. You get a gnarly fucking pump, but here's the deal. Pumps are not an indicator of growth. Like they just look great for the gram. So if like, obviously if you're not getting a pump in the gym, that could be another like issue that you need to resolve. But like, we shouldn't be tracing, chasing the pump. We should be chasing failure and intensity. Cause I guarantee you that's going to be the primary driver of growth is the hard fucking sets that you put in, not just whether or not you can get a wicked nasty pump for the gram. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was one thing that I try to, or have finally transitioned into was like training till failure, um, which, you know, goes with essentially your, your intensity there. And this can look anywhere, um, to gauge it as RIR, which is reps in reserve. Uh, so how much you have left in the tank. So if you're training till absolute mechanical failure, it means your body physically cannot do another, another rep. And this, in my personal opinion, it is where growth happens the most. Um, and it definitely, sorry, 
it like, it's hard to gauge. It's hard to know what absolute mechanical failure is when it's something you're not used to training. In my opinion, like it, it was hard for me to, to figure out like, Oh, I think I'm training hard as Dick and I'm not like, I would look back at my videos and I'm like, dude, you just stopped at like 12 because your program said fucking 12. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a good point. It's like when we program rep ranges, because you know, six to 30 reps are documented scientific hypertrophy reps, but it's also with the intensity. So if you're programmed 12 to 15 reps and you know, you get to 15 and you're like, I had a couple left, bitch, get those couple left. And the next time go up and wait like rep mm-hmm. ranges. You should, you do not stop. And the rep ranges just dictate what load you should be able to essentially do during that specific exercise. So if you're programmed 12 to 15 reps, you know, we're looking at a weight that's like maybe 60 to 75% of your one rep max. Right. But if you're able to get more than 15 reps, get as many as you can fucking get, put that in your logbook. And then next week, add five, 10 pounds, depending upon the body part that you were training, like that progressive overload, that intensity, that's, what's going to make you grow. Yeah. I always try and convey to like my athletes. It's like, Hey, like you should be failing between this rep range. You know, mm-hmm. if it's, if it's 10 to 12, then 10 should be hard as dick. You should maybe get 11 and 12 is should be done like toasted and if you can do more than that then obviously rep it out because we want to go till failure if that's what's programmed into your program but you don't just stop because it it says hey we're we're done here like it just says 12 i guess i'm just going to stop at 12 and mm-hmm. you know when if like i said if you or like you said if you are in that higher rep range then you know like okay next week i have to go up and in load i have to go up and wait Exactly. Like if you are not pushing your body to adapt, it is not going to adapt. Like it needs to be said that when you're in the gym training, you are tearing down your muscles. You are tearing your body apart, which is why that recovery aspect is so important because you want to make sure you're able to recover from the level of intensity and the level of volume that you are performing. And so when looking at your programming, whether you are taking your programming into your own hands, or maybe you're working with a coach, the design is very important. So we're looking at how frequently are you training each body part? What body part are you training for your division, for your specific physique needs? Because I guarantee you, if you are a bikini or a figure competitor and you are training with your boyfriend or fiance, husband, whatever, that's a fucking like pro bodybuilder, you're doing his programming. Like you are not going to fit the division that you are wanting to compete in. Mm-hmm. We're also looking at the intensity whether you're gauging with RIR or RPE, these are just intensity factors, gauging factors that we use for programs. And then also we can look at tempo when it comes to, you know, the eccentric, concentric and isometric holds, when it comes to the actual movement of the muscle contraction. So all of these things are taken into consideration, but at the end of the day, it's looking at what the athlete needs based on their weak points. Cause let's be real. We're not training your strong points or training what sucks. You know, for my next programming, it's going to be fucking glutes, glutes and probably upper back because it it don't look good. It don't look good from the back. From the front, it's not so bad. I got some good delts, but they could be better. But glutes are going to be my primary focus, which means the frequency is probably going to be a little bit more. We're going to allocate more volume to glutes. So that way my glutes are the primary like absorption of this growth and mechanical tension. Whereas like upper body and delts, yeah, we're probably going to set it to like a maintenance volume to where I'm not losing mass up top, but the growth there is going to be much less. 
or if not just maintaining, because we want to allocate all of our resources to growing my damn ass. And that's how you should look at your programming. It's not growing everything all at once, especially when you're an advanced competitor, it's, you know, growing what you need to grow. So like for bikini, if you have like a bunch of fucking arms for like biceps and triceps, like not really par for the course. We're looking at delts. We're looking at glutes. Mm-hmm. What? So I just want to ask you, like, what does your training specifically look like? Do you have like warm up sets, a lot of like failure sets? Like, I'm just curious as to like what your design is or how you design for athletes. Yeah. So when it comes to my specific programming, you have to keep in mind that we were kind of like gunning for wellness. And so I had a lot more triple extension mm. movements um, to bring up my quads because really my whole lower body just sucks, right? I've had a lot of hip imbalances and mobility issues um, coming in clutch with those Tetris hips, which by yeah. the way, the people that listen to this podcast at my gym fucking died at that. And they're like, dude, it's so accurate though. It literally looked like that fucking Tetris piece, but I digress. So (laughs) my programming looked a little bit different, especially when I was like working with Austin, we kind of had a different type of programming, but all sets are, I would say till failure or one to two, maybe two to three, depending upon how taxing movement is. So for Mm -hmm. example, I have a leg press movement that is three sets, two to three RIR, but the last set is a drop set till failure. Like I could not go to failure on every single leg press set because that is so neurally demanding. And then obviously physically demanding that going to failure on every single set on top of like my hack squat and my other like front squat, I would just be so fucking just drained Mm -hmm. after those first two movements that when I get to leg press, it probably would be borderline unsafe. And then I still have more triple extension movements later on. But when I am programming for my athletes, it depends on where they're at in their journey. Like, are we talking about like a newer bodybuilder, um, bodybuilding athlete that has no idea how to train till failure? No, we're not going to be training till failure because they're going to have no idea what that even means. And so this is where I'm really hitting home the training videos with them because I don't want them like lifting like a meathead training to what they think is failure with absolute shit form and intent where we're going to be at a risk for injury. So that's why the training videos are important. So I can be like, Hey, elbow pathway needs to be like this, you know, squat pattern should look like this for your biomechanics because your femurs are, you know, this compared to your, you know, your torso. Right. So it's making sure that the lifts are set up smart and safe. And then as they get more confident and get more comfortable, then that's when I'm like, listen, you have more in the tank, you have more in the tank. And so we could be working on this for a month before I start to increase intensity. And they're still making progress, right? Especially because they have those newbie gains. They're still looking great. But now it's like, listen, this is where we get to hammer home intensity and start to bring it home. And then their physique really takes off. And then we can do more fun things like optimizing nutrient timing. You know, maybe if they're wanting to, you know, do supplementation, like start using more performance subs, not even like peds, but like doing more with their programming to get more from it. Um, versus like someone who is just more advanced in competing, like by now you should be knowing how to train like a competitor. And if you don't, we're definitely going to learn. So that's where the sets are going to be much harder. There's going to be probably a lot less of them in terms of like the sheer volume. But if we're draining, if we're doing really, really hard sets, I don't need four sets of an exercise. Mm -hmm. Like I don't need four sets of hip thrusts till failure. We need like you know, maybe two to three, depending upon what you're able to recover from and what you have been doing in the past. So taking into account that athlete's history and their training volume is really important as well, because 
you need a lot less sets than you think to maintain your muscle, but you do want to make sure you're pushing the envelope when it comes to your overall programming for growth, right? It's kind of like using drugs. You can like maintain your physique and a lot less drugs, but if you're wanting to push the envelope for growth, you're going to need more drugs than baseline. Same thing with food. You can maintain on, you know, a good amount, but if you're pushing for growth, you're going to need a little bit more. So it's kind of like this art of titration and seeing how you can recover from all of this as an athlete and not digging yourself into this giant pit of a deficit where you can't recover. Cause if you're not recovering, you're not growing. And then we start taking steps backwards. Dude, that was, that was a lot, but yes. Um, <laughs> I have a lot of opinions on that. <laughs> yeah, no. And I honestly, I was going to kind of like tie it into like frequency because you said, you know, um, you know, we don't need to be doing all of these sets and, you know, just because you do have a weak area doesn't mean you need to train it four or five times a week because then it kind of, um, like you mentioned with the recovery, if we're not recovering, how are you going to progressively overload? How are you going to train again? You're going to be way too fucking sore mm-hmm. to stimulate muscle growth. So as much as we'd like to be like, oh, like our weak points, like you said, yours are your glutes, mine are my glutes as well. Um, I remember I was training um, three times a week, my glutes three times, mm-hmm. which isn't terrible, but now I've gone down to two times and I've seen so much more growth. My recovery is so much better. Um, before my leg days, I have like two rest days, um, before each leg day. And let me tell you, dude, it is amazing. Absolutely amazing. My intensity is always where it needs to be, whether that's one RIR or failure. Um, my tempos are spot on. Um, I'm consistently like hitting my rep ranges where they need to be, um, in order to fail at that, at that rep range. Um, Mm -hmm. So I definitely think that all of these things, you know, play a huge role when we're trying to build our physique, especially specific for our division. Like you brought up before, you know, if we're, we're training with somebody else's programming, that's a bodybuilder or even a power lifter. I'm not too keen on it, but whatever. Um, you're not going to grow where you need to grow to fit the criteria for said division. Mm-hmm. And even so, if you're in that division and you, you lack you know, certain areas. That's why it has to be specific to you. Like I have multiple bikini competitors. Some have really shitty hamstrings. Some have really shitty delts. Their programs are completely different. They are both bikini competitors, but the way that I set up their training programs, their frequency, their volumes, everything, their, their design, the order of the exercises is 100% different because it's based on their weaknesses and what their physique needs to be competitive in their division. Absolutely. Specificity is so incredibly important, whether you are a bodybuilder or you're a powerlifter, right? Because I don't want us to shit on powerlifters because we actually have quite a few that listen to us, right? So it's like, if you are wanting to powerlift, you do powerlifting programs. If you are wanting to bodybuild, you are doing bodybuilding specific programs based on what your physique needs to be competitive and what the criteria needs. If you're wanting to be an endurance athlete, same thing applies to you. Specificity of training is very, very important. And I'm glad that you brought up kind of allocating resources to weak body parts, because that is really important when it comes to order of exercises. So if you're having really, really weak delts, like you want to be hitting the delts first before you hit, make maybe like a chest movement or an arm movement, right? Like if we're completely like blasting out biceps and triceps supersets, and then we start hitting delts, I mean, you're going to be just limiting what you're able to bring to the table when it comes to your delt training. So wherever your physique is lacking, that is where it needs to be addressed. And like I said, depending upon 
who you are, you might not be able to hit both weak, all your weak spots all at once. You're probably going to have specific phases, Mm. right? Especially when you're an advanced athlete. So when you're an advanced athlete, like you are not going to be able to grow every single body part effectively at the same time. You're going to need to pick and choose how you can recover from like your specific weak part. So like, for example, glutes, a lot of volume, a lot of intensity is going to be dedicated to glutes for me and Ash. Maybe you have bomb glutes. We hate you. Maybe your boots are glutes are bomb, but your shoulders, your meat delt, even your rear delt is a little bit lacking. You're probably going to have a little bit more upper body allocation to growing those delts. You're probably going to have a lot more pressing movements. You might have more of an upper back movement to kind of, you know, bring in those rear delts and have a little bit more meat to those bones, you know? So at the end of the day, specificity is really important for not only your specific needs, but also your specific division. Specifically, I want to talk about bikini here for a second. Actually, a lot of them are all about balance. Let's be honest. So (laughs) I just, am thinking of an athlete right now. We talk about like where you're lacking and she is lacking in her upper body, her delts, rear delts, all of that. And Mm -hmm. I want it, this ties back into when you were talking about, you know, being to maintain your physique, her glutes, hamstrings, perfect. So her exercising, her training is geared towards maintaining what she has with her glutes and her hamstrings. I don't want them to get any bigger because I need her upper body to match. So I need that balance. So for her, her programming for her lower bodies are all geared towards like maintaining. I mean, she's still training hard as nails, obviously, but Mm -hmm. you know, compared to her upper body where we're completely trying to, you know, go till failure, um, have more frequency, have more volume on those days. It's, it's just wild to see. Cause you know, um, me and you are so like, oh, lower body, we got to get that. And then for her, it's just like, no, we're trying to maintain what you already have so we can grow mm-hmm. again, your, your weaker areas. Right. Absolutely. The balance and the art of physique development is really important because really all divisions are balanced except for like men's physique and wellness, right? They're kind of like flip-flop, like men's physique, they don't give a fuck about your legs. Wellness, they give a big fuck about your legs, right? So it's important <laughs> yeah. to like make sure that you're also being smart. This is kind of a little of a side tangent, but like based on your body type and genetics and like how willing you are to push for growth, whether you're willing to use like enhancements and stuff like that, you need to be like really smart about and realistic when it comes to like what division you were going to do best in. Like I've been kind of, I've division topped based on like what coaches thought I would do best in. And also my own personal bias and emotions. Like I would love to do figure. It's, I don't think it's going to happen. I don't want to push the drugs that it's going to require for me to get to that division. Mm -hmm. I'd love to do wellness. Honestly, lower body has a really hard time growing. Like I would have to spend years with just lower body dominant training to get to where I want to go. And again, probably push some drugs as well. And at the end of it, I'm still not going to be at the level that I would want to be at when it comes to wellness. And so for me and my life and my goals as a bodybuilder, bikini makes sense, right? It makes sense. Like the drugs that I would need to run or would want to run probably don't need as much. The division like on my body looks really good. I have a naturally tiny waist. Okay. That's a plus for me. The things that I just need to work on are, like I said, my glutes, really my whole legs, my backside, and then just a little bit more delt. And then I should be pretty good to go, but that's still going to take years. Right. But I've had to like really become realistic with what I'm able to achieve as a competitor and what my body is able to achieve for me. And it kind of sucks, but it's also reality and you need to live in reality. And I will say that 
sometimes, yes, reality is hard. Um, especially when there's certain areas you like training that you don't need for your physique, like, like you said, you know, um, and also too, yeah, I have a question though. Do you think it's possible to be competitive, like at like wellness natural, your personal opinion? I honestly think it depends on kind of where you come from and your genetics Genetics, again, like it's going to become genetics, but at the end of it, like you kind of have to define like what what do you mean by natural like cuz like obviously there are some people that they get fucked up and they do use just like TRT but if you're not considering TRT natural or anything like that i honestly maybe but you would have to be like a special special b you know what i'm saying you'd have to be a yeah. special person to be able to do that but i think for the most part like once you get outside of bikini you're almost enhanced in some way which again i don't have a problem with you know, like I have no problem with NPC, IAP using enhancements. Like it's just kind of what is. Now, feel free to disagree with me. Feel free to think it's unfair. But at the end of the day, there are natural federations that you can compete in. So if you're a natural athlete competing in the NPC, don't bitch about being up against roid heads because one, you probably don't understand how they work. And, you know, two, it's your choice to compete in a non-tested federation. So it's like, you just kind of have to like pick what you're willing to suffer for at the end of the day. But to kind of go back to your original question, you'd have to be a real special bitch. And I don't, I would love that for you if you were that special bitch. But like, honestly, I just don't think so. And not even from just a muscularity development standpoint, from the level of leanness mm, that yeah. they need to get on stage. Like it, I, I would just be amazed if you could get to that level of body fat, not using thyroid, exogenous thyroid, not using like yohimbine and clen and caffeine. Not that like yohimbine and caffeine are like illegal because to my to my understanding, I mean, you can buy them from fucking Amazon, so you should be fine. Yeah. But like it's specifically clen, exogenous thyroid. Um, I know some people are part of the ECA stack. That's not something I'm really mm. well versed in. And then, you know, obviously if you were like really gunning for it and I don't think it's as popular, but I could be wrong. But if you're using something like DNP, like, I don't know. I don't agree with that per se, but I mean, some people do. Right. Yeah. No, I, I know that was like a tangent. I was just curious, like, cause there is a lot of talk that's like, Oh, like you technically have to be enhanced to do well in, in wellness. Um, my personal opinion on it is, yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I think you, I mean, look at the top athletes. Um, Ooh, little kitty yeah. action, little kitty, butt. okay, but <laughs> But to um, kind of just get off on that tangent, it was just, just a random question. Um, so now that we have like, you know, the specificity of training and how that aligns with your physique and your goals, I think one of the biggest things that we've kind of already talked about is, you know, progressively overloading and how to train till, till absolute failure and really stimulate that muscle growth. So when it comes to, you know, overloading and progression with your lifts, you know, the training must be challenging enough to have, you know, adaptations, stimulus adaptations. So Mm -hmm. for you, how do you, I guess, gauge progressive overload for yourself? Because the way that is programmed for you, apparently what you said is, you know, there's this rep range. Um, like, do you try and go up one rep each week or do you try and increase the, the weight or how, how do you specifically progressively overload your lifts? Yeah, that's a great question. And there are a lot of working parts. Um, but a big thing I want to touch on is keeping a tangible logbook. Okay. Mm-hmm. Please, for the love of God, get off your fucking phone when you are training, because be honest, you are not just you know, picking songs in Spotify, you're not just logging your lifts with trainer eyes. 
you are dicking around on Facebook, Instagram, you're texting your BFF, you're shit talking, you know, your ex-boyfriend to your mom. Like you are not focused on your training. Okay. So get a fucking logbook, pen and paper. My logbook is my diary, right? I look at what I did the previous week. I also look at my notes. I look how I set it up. I write notes to myself on how I'm feeling. If I'm inside my head, if this movement felt really good, if it felt really bad, maybe why? And I talk to myself in my logbook. So that way the next week that I'm hitting, you know, the same workout, because you should not be changing workouts all the fucking time. Like muscle confusion is not a thing. Your muscles are not confused. You're confused. But I want to make sure that I don't care if it's one repetition or if it's five, right? Because obviously each week is going to be different. There are different stressors, different adaptations. And sometimes I'm stronger by a lot. And sometimes I'm weaker than a lot. Right. And so at the end of the day, it's like making little notes to yourself and keeping your logbook like a diary. So that way you can keep track of your overall progression and overload and not just guessing like, oh, what week, what weight did I get last week? Or did I hit six reps or did I hit eight? It's like, if you have a logbook, you'll know. So use, utilize a logbook when it comes to your progression as a competitor, because it will serve you so well. But in my own experience, like when I'm writing notes to myself, it's like, I'll try to replicate what I did the week prior. If it was a good training session, or if it was kind of shit, figure out why it was shit and go from there. But the goal is pretty much always failure. Right. And so it's like, I will look at what I did last week and then Sometimes I'll count inside my head, but other than that, usually I'm recording my lifts just so that way I'm not always focused on the number, but I'm focusing on kind of like the internal engagement and the internal dialogue. And more often than not, I will always just repeat to myself one more rep. It's just pain. One more rep. It's just pain. And especially if I have Eric there training with me, just having that in that uh, external encouragement and, you know, screaming does help me to push. And so, like I said, sometimes it is just one or two more reps compared to last week on my lower body lifts, like my leg press, sometimes I can add three to five. So if I'm getting outside my target programmed range, I will go up and wait. Right. But also just as a side note, and also for me personally, adding weight in reps is not always like the primary driver of progressive overload. It's how I controlled the weight. Maybe was the tempo better? Was the connection better? So it's also, like I said, making little notes to myself that, hey, maybe with my lateral raises this week, like I got the same amount of reps, but damn, it was juicier. Like I mm-hmm. felt more connected because I took this setup or I thought these things or I cued myself in these ways. That to me is a win. And so if you are seeing that you're stalling, like maybe it's not necessarily the problem with your programming or what you're doing. It's what you're thinking or it's the poor notes that you're not taking. So that for me, I know that's a lot to digest, but that for me has been so helpful. And at the end of the day, not picking apart my training and being a dick to myself and just fucking training hard too, because there should be some level of enjoyment when you're training. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So like trying not to overanalyze and just fucking be in the gym because that's what I love. That's where I love to be. And that's what I love to do. Yeah. As far as me, I train, I used to log on my phone a lot. I literally just switched over to, um, like pen and paper because for the mm-hmm. same reason I was fucking around on my phone, not too much, but I just didn't want to keep pulling my phone out and I wanted it to be more detailed. I wanted more notes. I wanted to be able to track, like, was that a shitty tempo? So I will say for me, I will do the same, you know, it depends on, you know, going up in, in weight 
in reps. But for me, the biggest thing is execution. I can go up and wait. I can go up in reps. But if my form starts to break down, what the fuck am I doing? Does that even count? Like, that's what I tell myself in my mind, you know? And, you know, we will have days where we're pushing it pretty hard. And those last maybe four reps don't look as clean. But that next week, I will come in and do that same weight, probably for those same amount of reps. But make sure that those last three to four reps are matching my first reps, that they Mm -hmm. are, you know, the tempo is good, that the execution, that the form is, is pristine. So that way, that's how like another form of progression in my mind occurs as well. Yeah, absolutely. And something I want to touch on, we keep talking about failure and there are different levels of failure, right? There's like, the, there's the, the brain failing first, telling you that you're a weak bitch and you need to stop. That's not true failure. But then there's also mechanical and technical failure and then muscle failure, right? So it's like, when we're looking at a highly technical move, like maybe a deadlift or a barbell back squat. If you're not in a machine and we're talking free weights, like going till failure, you are most likely going to fail technically and mechanically before you're able to fail, you know, at the level of the muscle, like your form Mm -hmm. is going to break down and that, that lift is most likely not going to be safe, right? Like how many times have we like tried to go to failure on your deadlifts and your last couple of reps, you look like a goddamn candy cane. Okay, we are no longer getting that good tension on the glutes and the hamstrings, which is why your deadlifts are being programmed. We're just getting that low back and we're risking, you know, a big back injury. So it's like, we also need to be smart when it comes to, you know, are you failing with intention, right? Because that's really, really important to understand versus like, you know, maybe like a machine shoulder press or a cable lateral raise that can be taken fairly safely to, you know, true, true muscular failure where your delts are just fried. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. mm -hmm. Yeah. So at the end of the day, it's like, these are skills that you require. Like weightlifting is a skill, right? That's why it's so important to keep with the same programming and milk it for as long as you can. Like with your training, your goal as an athlete is to treat your training like a promotion. Like you do such a good goddamn job at training where you are stalling and you're not seeing progression anymore to where it's like, Oh, we need a new stimulus. We need a bonus. We need a raise to get this shit going again. Like that is your reward for doing such a good job of making the most of your training and maximizing your potential where your reward is, you know, a fresh program. And then that way you can start getting that stimulus again and progressing that way. That's how I like to look at it is do such a good job that you force your programming to change because if your programming is changing all the fucking time, how do you know you're getting better? How do you know you're gaining that skill? Mm-hmm. Like it might be fun and refreshing, but like at the end of the day, it's not all about fun. It, it just can't be right. There needs to be a level of just kind of sucky to keep us, you know, disciplined and keep us going. Yeah, no, I 100% agree. I was just thinking about my training. Like I got training back in November and it stayed the same until now, which it's only been four months. And I was just thinking, I kind of fucking hope it doesn't change. Um, even though like, I I like doing the same shit over and over in my personal Mm -hmm. opinion. Um, yeah, I mean, you should, because you're getting better at it. Like who doesn't like to see their hip thrust start at like, you know, let's say they're doing the glute bridge machine and they just slap a couple of 45, like a 45 on each side. Who doesn't like to see that in like three to six months time, that you were originally hip thrusting 90 pounds and now it's like doubled or tripled Mm -hmm. and you know, your ass is even bigger. Like who would not like to see that? Like if you wouldn't want to see that, 
just stop listening to this podcast because this is this podcast is not for you <laughs> just hit stop just exit out just hit stop line. hit stop <laughs> no dude let's let's end it there that was great and honestly like i don't train till later but i'm ready to go train now because it's a leg day and it's a glute focused leg day so i'm ready Ooh. to fuck it up same i was just thinking about it i was like dang i usually train at like four and i'm like i might train at one like i just am ready to go like i'm ready to you know just overload my fucking glutes because i have i actually have deads and um bridges today so like that's dope i love it i love it guys thank you so much for listening if you have any questions on this episode or even um a request for episodes like definitely hit us up in the dms uh next week we have a very special guest Mm -hmm. that we will make the announcement Mm -hmm. when in due time but in the meantime peace adios